0: Welcome to Sparks of History, where world history and Jewish history meets. We are very pleased to have with us today award-winning, Pulitzer Prize-winning author, Alan Taylor. Professor Taylor is the Thomas Jefferson Memorial Foundation Professor of History at the University of Virginia. Taylor is the author of numerous groundbreaking books, including... William Cooper's Town, Power and Persuasion on the Frontier of the Early American Republic, American Colonies, the Settlement of North America to 1800, The Divine Ground, Indian Settlers, and the Northern Borderland of the American Revolution, The Internal Enemy, Slavery and War in Virginia. Today we will be discussing Professor Taylor's Thomas Jefferson's Education, um, and uh, I really didn't know what to expect when, when I received the book, Thomas Jefferson's Education, What It's All About, and it was um, richly researched and paints a picture that, um, at least for me, became so clear as to what Virginia was all about, Virginians slavery planters really was for me a a tremendous eye-opener, the complexity um, that Professor uh, Taylor writes about on the onset of the great American experiment. Um, And again, it's available, um, easy to purchase as I did on Amazon, and um, we'll get right to it. Uh, To start off, Professor Taylor, a little bit about your background and how you became interested and Thomas Jefferson. Well, I've been a historian
1: of the early American Republic uh, for a long time now, focusing more on the northern states, so focusing on Maine and New York in particular, and then also on Canada. But I became interested when I was doing some archival research in Nova Scotia. There were some records there of African-Americans who had escaped during the War of 1812 and become refugees in Nova Scotia. I knew nothing about this. So I decided I would do a project where I would investigate these escapes during the War of 1812. And that introduced me to Virginia Society. Shortly after that, I was offered the job at the University of Virginia and moved there and it was the Thomas Jefferson chair. Uh, I hadn't done much in particular on Jefferson, but in the course of doing the research on, on these escaped slaves, I read a lot of Jefferson's correspondence during the war and afterwards, and I became interested in the political process of funding a new university. You know, it's, and that sounds maybe a little boring, but in point of fact, uh, the politics of how you could build a coalition in a complex state to support something that the state had never done before, and the vision that Jefferson had for what education could be to transform the Society of Virginia, I found that all very fascinating. And then I I decided, well, my next project would focus in on the creation of the University of Virginia and Jefferson's own background, his own education, what he thought education should be for young men, and he was focused on young men, in this new republic in order to achieve what he saw as the the potential of a republic, that you could transform human nature if a republic was done in the right way. But in order to do it in the right way, you needed educated leaders, and then you also needed a foundation of common people who had a reasonable level of education so they could discern
0: which of the candidates they ought to elect into higher office. Absolutely, um, you, you've just touched upon it, but but here we have Thomas Jefferson, um, principal author of the Declaration of Independence, first Secretary of State of the United States, second Vice President of the United States, this is easy, third President of the United States, with all these accomplishments, um, a Renaissance man, enlightened, all these different various disciplines that he is an expert in, and he finishes his political career, and now it's at university. Um, why was that so critical for him personally, and why did he think it was so important um, for Virginia as well?
1: Well, Jefferson is quite a distinct man, and he's is, he is a brilliant man. He has well-educated and largely self-educated. I mean, he, he had some college education, but he didn't get a degree. But then very few Virginians ever did get degrees. They would, they would go off to the College of William and Mary and they would attend for a year or two. And then they'd go off and read law and become lawyers, or they would uh, go back to their plantation and run it. Uh, so Jefferson's not unique in not getting a degree. There were only a handful of degrees issued at William and Mary in the colonial period. But but Jefferson uh, educated himself throughout his whole life. He was a voracious buyer of books and reader of books, collector of books on on an extraordinary range of topics. And he he came to see education as really the key to improving mankind. And he would use that term rather than humankind. And he, he saw lots of problems in Virginia society. He felt that it wasn't sufficiently democratic, that it was uh, too unequal, that he felt that slavery was an enormous problem, uh, but one that he, he found impossible to solve in his own lifetime. He was dependent on enslaved people for his own comforts and for his ability to buy books and read books, and he could never free himself from slavery, and he couldn't really imagine how to free Virginia from slavery in his own lifetime. So he he has a tendency to be averse to conflict, which, which is, is a tough quality to have if you're in politics. So he, he liked to, to be above the fray as much as he could. And people would urge him to invest his political capital in, in pushing overtly for the kinds of reforms that they knew he wanted privately, like the greater democratization of Virginia and some sort of program of gradual emancipation. They would push him, take, take a lead on this. And he, his response, which, which began back when he was in his early forties was I'm too old to do that. It's the next generation that has to do it. So many of the strands of his thought come together in the belief that The Way to Improve Virginia, and he is very focused on Virginia, much more than I had understood, rather than the entire United States. And he referred to Virginia as his nation. The way to improve Virginia is to improve the next generation of leaders uh, through improved education. And he felt that if the next generation had the kind of education he had and the voracious intellectual curiosity that he had, that they would reach the same conclusions that he had. About the need to democratize Virginia and to adopt gradual
0: emancipation. Um, if, if we look at it in in the long run, his vision of what this new university would accomplish in creating, I guess, a cadre of new leaders for the next generations, um, was it
1: successful? Not in the way that Jefferson had hoped. He thought that an educational institution could transform people. And he understood that it was a problem that the young men who were coming into his university uh, were people who were raised around enslaved people. And were used to, frankly, bullying them. Dominating them. Uh, he, he, He has very eloquent passages about how slavery is a school for tyranny and that um, boys growing up in these planter families see what their fathers do and very quickly copy the behaviors, the the anger at any kind of frustration or any, any sign of not doing work the way you want it done as fast as you want it done or, or just plain bullying to show your control. And so Jefferson understood that these, these boys, they're, they're going to off to college when they're 15, 16, 17 years old, that these boys cannot stand any restraint. They've been raised to be tyrants. And so they don't take orders because to take orders is to be submissive and to be submissive is to be slavish. So And they're bred to have this very prickly sense of honor where this, anything that seems remotely like an insult, you you must demand an apology or some other form of satisfaction. And if you don't get it, then you challenge the person to a duel. So you've got 14, 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds feeling that they're entitled to charge, challenge other 15, 16, 17-year-old boys to duels over their honor. It meant that every school that has these uh, southern boys in it, are very turbulent places because they, they look on their teachers and see them as as grinds, as not true gentlemen, as not having proper honor. And then when they start ordering the boys around, they resent it as an insult. So that, that there, there was no public education. Uh, there were no public schools, no grammar schools. There, there were sporadic schools that are are run by neighborhoods and that, that often are short-lived. There are a few academies and they prove pretty short-lived. And so these boys are bouncing around between these schools and Jefferson thinks if we can send them off to a college, a proper college that will provide the structure they need and will tame them. Well, it turns out they wouldn't be tamed. Uh, they just see the university of Virginia and its faculty as, a, as, as more challenges, uh, And uh, they're out to show uh, that that they're in control of the university. Now, in doing this, they're not unique. The the same story played out at the University of Georgia, the University of South Carolina, the University of North Carolina, all of which are older than UVA. So all Southern institutions had this problem. And even Northern institutions that had a lot of Southern students, such as Princeton, also suffered a lot of turbulence. And and when I mean turbulence, I mean violence. I mean, destruction to property, uh, assaults on one another, assaults on faculty, assaults on townspeople, uh, so that uh, Jefferson is wrestling with a problem that pre-exists UVA. He thinks UVA is the solution
0: to that problem, and it
1: turns out it's not.
0: Is is, is this coming from um, a a belief that might be too optimistic and too naive about? human nature and what the influence of education can be on human beings, is it also a a vision that catches um, the youth too late already? In other words, maybe public education at a younger age might have been a different kind of solution than a universal solution. Yeah, I think uh, those are all fair things to say
1: about this. It's Uh, Jefferson is very much a man of the Enlightenment. He believed that social ills were a result of traditions that imposed forms of inequality on people, uh, that uh, that imposed forms of superstition on people, as he saw it. And that if you shattered tradition and replaced it with what he would regard as rational institutions, rational rules, Rational buildings. So UVA's architecture is by design meant to change human nature. It's, um, it's meant to disperse the faculty in what were called pavilions that they would live in with students scattered in small dorms between the faculty pavilions where they a at the head of it all. It's, it's not just aesthetic, the decisions that he makes, they're also social. And it's part and parcel of his belief that you could create institutions and the buildings for them. And then you put human beings within them and you give them what he sees as rational rules and they will become rational people. They'll become little Jeffersons. Well, it, it doesn't work. And it reveals that society is pretty powerful. Culture is very powerful. And these, these young men have, have grown up in, in families and with neighbors and in settings and in a Virginia, that, in which slavery is essential to the economy and the society and the politics. Absolutely essential. So, and, and people spend a lot of time paying lip service to saying, well, slavery is a terrible system and we wish we didn't have it, but here we have it and we have to make the best of it. And they did make the best of it for themselves. So and, and it conditions people. It's, it's, it's an indoctrination system of slavery, of everybody who participates in it. Now, there's lots of resistance to it by the people who are enslaved, but it has to be subtle resistance most of the time. So Jeff, Jefferson invested too much hope in the power of rules, institutions, and structures to change human behavior that's already powerfully conditioned before these people step through uh, the doors of the school. Now, are there young men who are improved by education and do come to question their society in Virginia? Yeah, but they're few and far between.
0: So um, was there a strong um, anti-slavery abolitionist movement in Virginia and in Jefferson play a role in that movement? I would say the quick answer is no and no.
1: Uh, it's obviously a little more complicated than that. Jefferson in his, in the one book he published, well, he published a couple books, but one book that he publishes after the revolution, his notes on the state of Virginia. And there he has some very eloquent passages about how uh, slavery trains tyrants. And uh, it has a proposal for the gradual emancipation of slavery in Virginia. And and anti-slavery groups in Virginia and elsewhere in the country made a great deal out of those passages. Now, unfortunately, in notes in the state of Virginia, it also has some overtly racist musings about the biological differences between blacks and whites in separate passages, uh, and unfortunately, those passages gave support to people who wanted to argue that Blacks were so different from white people that they could not coexist in Virginia or anywhere else. And that they would, if they were to be free, they'd have to be deported. And unfortunately, Jefferson believed that too. So Jefferson is, as in so many ways, an ambivalent, ambiguous character who is seized upon by pro-slavery people has in that in support of their views, but is also seized upon by anti-slavery people. The anti-slavery people in Virginia are are largely true anti-slavery people, largely restricted to Quakers who who are freeing their enslaved people and and attempting to promote their education. And one of these uh, Quakers who's done so wrote to Jefferson and asked for some financial support for a school that this Quaker had set up for former slaves. And Jefferson wrote back and said, "No, uh, it's it's you know slavery is such a coercive, um, corrosive system that if you educate black people, they'll just see how miserable they are, and that's pointless. And it's a painful letter to read for a man who, in so many other areas of life, is an optimist and sees the power of education to change things, but in this particular regard, he's an extreme pessimist." So Jefferson uh, doesn't do uh, as much as he could have done to support those people in Virginia who were making an effort to uh, free some enslaved people and to educate them.
0: would it have made a difference had, um, had he had Jefferson, um, you know, uh, he's talking the talk, if he had walked the walk, if he had just said, Okay, I've got 600 slaves. Whatever the number was, uh, I understand. Like, I I can't. Everyone understands that I can't free all 600. But you know what? I'm going to free 150. 150. Whatever the number is, really, Nick, like, walk that walk. Would, would that have made a difference at all? In, you know. For... Uh, it would have. Now
1: he didn't have 600 at the peak. He'd had about 200. Uh, still, that's a lot of human beings. <laughs> Um, if he had you know, you know, publicly you know, said, my priority is to, um, is to free them. I mean, that's what George Washington did. And it made a difference that Washington did that because it got a lot of attention. Now George Washington doesn't do it until his will. So he doesn't do it in his own lifetime, but he does it at, at the time of his death. Uh, it gets a lot of publicity. And it's seized upon by, uh, by anti-slavery people as, look, you know, the father of the country has done this. Now, next to Washington, Jefferson has the most influence of any person in the country. And so and, and there were many people who were admirers of Jefferson who were anti-slavery. They largely lived outside of Virginia, who, who hoped that Jefferson would take a more overt leadership position and, and freeing his own slaves uh, and doing so in a conspicuous way and setting aside funds for their education, which is, which is something that Washington did. Uh, all would have had an enormous impact. Now, how, how that impact would have played out in the longer run, would it have led to most slaveholders doing this in their lifetimes in the next generation? Knowing human nature, probably not, but would it have strengthened the anti-slavery movement within the United States and given it a, a kind of pedigree of endorsement by not just you know in a way by Washington and in a way by Jefferson, Would that have helped? Absolutely.